is starting. And I woke up in the morning with a real thrill in my heart because we've been praying since December for God to move mightily. A move of God, a powerful move of God that the world will see. Not just our block will see, but that the world will see. And so I'm going to Ace Hardware and I said, God, if, if truly it has started and you are on the move, I don't mean in a, in a trickle way, I mean in a way that's going to be massive, I want you to confirm it by letting me minister when I get to Ace Hardware. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is that that's what we're doing at these meetings. We're training you. Monday, I'm going to talk to you on how you can pass your tests, how you can pass the tests that you get every day, how you can pass the trials. And I'm going to tell you one about I failed miserably last Saturday. I'll tell you how I failed and why I failed. And because I want you to succeed, I want you to pass all your tests. Because if you fail it, you get to do it over again. And I know I gotta have to do this one over again because I failed it. But I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to you about how you can pass your tests. So I'm going to ace. I'm just expecting somehow I'm gonna be able to minister. Got uh, to the cash treasurer. I'm on the way out. And I asked the lady, probably in her 60s or so, I, I said, uh, so how can I pray for you? I'm kind of crazy. I pray for people. After I shop, I get in the car and I pray. How can I pray for you? And she paused and she said, pray for my son. I said, how do I pray for your son? Well, he's sober now. Does he have a job? No. Does he have wheels? No. How old is he? 40. Okay, how can I pray for him? What does he need? He needs a job. You know, I, I'll, I'll, get you, I'll get him a job. She said, will you? Yes. Here's my number. Here's my telephone. Here's my address. And uh, we'll connect. So I prayed for Elliot and for his mother, Carmen. So now if the next Christian who connects with them says, can we pray with you? They're going to get the idea that this, this is bigger than I thought it was. Where Man, if, if the next telemarketer hears from you, they're going to know this is bigger. This is bigger. Something's, something's happening. So I'm done, right? No. I go out the door, and the guy's willing and uh, helping me put the things in the car. I got a lot of stuff because I had a work party coming. I had to get a lot of plants, and I got a, had to get a lot of stuff. And so I'm putting him in, and he's helping me. And I said, I'm kind of crazy. I pray for people. What can I pray for you for? And he said, pray for my wife. She has cancer. Did God plan that? Is God in charge of us? Can God do it? Now, I'm telling you how I do it. You do it differently. You can have your own questions. I used to ask, what's your dream? That's, I, for several years, I just asked that question. God found a lot of dreams. People say, I had, no one's ever asked that question of me. I don't even know. I guess I don't know. How can I help you? I ask him questions. So we talk. No one said, that's a stupid question. When I ask for prayer for people, sometimes they turn me down. But they say, thank you for asking. I, did that. I do it at the part I, when I get gas. I typically do it. I'm not in a, an exceptional time. I typically do it. I do it most of the time. So you do it the way you do it. But we're going to train you how to live naturally supernatural. Because God expects us to live a supernatural life. You read, ever read the book of Acts? It's pretty supernatural, but it's natural people. 
people that are just like us, untrained, uneducated, and they do supernatural things. So he said, uh, I said, what, what's the deal? Well, she's had a lot of surgery. She's doing okay. We're going to Mayo Clinic. Okay. Can I, can I pray right now? Well, just pray. Well, we kept talking. And I just thought, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray now. So I didn't, he thanked me. Very thankful. So we want to connect with needy people. Some of them know the Lord, and you can be an encouragement to them. Others of them don't. I really like what Bob did last week as he uh, started us out in this upper room discourse, it's called, John 13 to 17. You learn more about the Trinity in reading this chunk than perhaps any chunk in the Word of God. It says more about Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit. Use the word Father. I counted, and I can't remember, but it's an incredible number of times in chapter 13 to 17, where we learn about the heart of the Father, we learn about the authority of the Son, and we learn about the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I didn't bring my, yeah. Uh, do me a favor. Could you, uh, it's on my desk. It's the baton. Jesus is getting ready to leave. He has not taught on the Holy Spirit more than just a tad. Very seldom. You don't, you don't see much teaching on the Holy Spirit, do you, in the Gospels? Until you get to this portion of Scripture. And he's ready to do the, the passing of the baton, the most impressive transition that's ever occurred. And so now he starts to teach on the Holy Spirit. The disciples are feeling devastated. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. How do they feel? Exactly. They feel orphaned. You're leaving us. He became their whole life. And now he's ready to go. And they're wondering why. And they're asking all these questions. You'd think they, they, they look like they have no idea. They're interrupting him as he gives this wonderful teaching in chapter 14. Read it with that in mind. It, it, they keep saying, wait a minute, show us the Father. Have I been so long with him? You don't even know who I am? They, they have all kinds of questions. So it doesn't look like this thing is going to work. Once it happens, they never once wished him back. Because they had what was greater than Jesus present, not with. And so they did things that they didn't do with Jesus. They did greater works because Jesus left them. Let me show you something when you pass the baton. Help me out, David, can you? Okay. I'm going to pass it to you, and you're going to take it from here. So I'm going to, I'm going to come from behind here. I'm running. Now, I hand it off. Where is he? Is he behind me or is he in front of me? So I am urging him on. Jesus passing the bond, you're not, you're not looking back, you're looking ahead. He's going to take it from here. Now, if I, if I do a successful passing, thank you, if I do a successful passing of the baton, does ministry go like, or does it go like this? Think of Moses to Joshua. Joshua took the land. Who did Joshua pass the baton to? 
he didn't. Read the book of Judges, and that'll tell you what happens when you don't pass the baton. Jesus passed it successfully. He had trained them, and then he sent them the Holy Spirit. So I, I want to look with you. What do we have that's better than having Jesus here? Literally. It's better than having Jesus here is having the Holy Spirit here. That's what he says. And he's saying it to devastated people who don't get it, who don't understand it. Once they got it, they understood. And they turned their world on its head. So we're going to see the things that they have. Turn, turn your Bibles. You got, we got a stack of Bibles. Look at that stack. We got two stacks. If you need one, grab one. Turn to John chapter 14. If you love me, it says in verse 15, you will obey what I command. Do you know that the, the clearest sign, if you want to show love to Jesus, you want the clearest way to do it? It's not to worship him. That's wonderful. But in, in the Bible, it's very clear. Here, 1 John, it's consistent. The greatest sign of love is obedience. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father. Here's the Trinity here, right in this verse. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, what does it say in your Bible? Counselor. It says counselor of mine. What are some other translations? Helper. Helper. Say that louder. Helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby. Why does it say that? It's because this word is such a powerful word. It's the word that we have put in the English, paraclete. It's, uh, if our Greek friends were here, they'd, they'd tell us about the word paraklo. It's that word that speaks of one who, who comes close to me and becomes my personal trainer my advocate, my defender, my exhorter, my encourager, whatever I need. If I need a kick in the pants, I'll get that. If I need encouragement, if I need defense. Now, here was Jesus who was doing all those things. He was their personal trainer. He, was, he defended them from the Pharisees, from the enemies. But now he's leaving. And so they feel, well, where is that going to come from? How are we going to get corrected when we're wrong? How are we going to get encouraged? And Jesus said, I will send you the paraclete, this one. This word is used. You read now the upper room discourse. You're going to find this word coming several times more. I counted. I don't have it right in front of me how many times it's used. But uh, to go one-on-one, -on -one, it's, like it's not like a lecturer who's lecturing to 50 people. It's one who is face-to-face. But now with me, in me. It's a wonderful gift. What do you do when you need to be defended against the attacks of people? When people misunderstand what you are saying? What do you need when you get so discouraged that you, you just droop and you don't feel like continuing on? What do you need? Well, ultimately, you need the Holy Spirit. To within you, who is going to urge you on like a personal coach, a personal trainer. The spirit of truth 
uses that word, that phrase three times in this passage. The, word can, the world cannot accept him because it neither knows him nor sees him, but you know him. This is, listen to this. This divides the old covenant and the new covenant. Listen to this phrase. For he lives with you and will be. The Holy Spirit at this time was with them, influencing them, present with them, but will be in you. New covenant. Ezekiel 36. I will put my spirit in you and cause you to know my way. How wonderful is in you. Not only counsel us accurately, but live within us. Now think about it. People all over the world today are looking for God. They'll travel a long ways to find God. They'll go on a pilgrimage in order to find out where this God is. So where was God in the Old Testament? If people wanted to find God, where did they find him? Okay, before the temple, it was the tabernacle. And so mom and dad would tell, there's God. There he is. You could see the smoke. You could see the anointing. You could see when Moses came out from spending time with God. Oh, my. That was pretty wonderful. Who would go in when Moses came out? He saw what happened to Moses, so he's going to go in and get his turn. <laughs> he was being trained. Way to go, Moses. Way to train up Joshua. And then when the temple was built, and the same thing happened when they finished it, the tabernacle and the temple, what happened? God showed up. And it became so heavy the word kavod, which means glory, literally means heaviness. And so the glory is so thick, it's so heavy, that it says the priests couldn't even do their stuff because God's presence, whoa, it was so great, you couldn't do your work. It was heavy. That's what happened in the temple. Well, then the temple was destroyed. The Bible says for in John 1, the word became flesh, and literally tabernacled. Jesus pitched his tent. He's going to stay for a while. So if you wanted to find God, there he is. There he is. Now, people didn't recognize that. But the disciples discovered it. Thomas Fani discovered it. What did he say? My Lord and my God. He, just, he, he finally realized, this is God walking among us. This is God. I'm putting my hand in his side. He's God. Now, people are looking for God. Where do they find God? There he is. There's God. He, they, he, they're in the image of God. And if you want to find God, he's in a Incredible. He's not in a beautiful, ornate cathedral. He's not in a, a, a chapel. He's in human bodies. Of kings? No, regular people. 
He chooses to make you. You host the divine presence. Now, they didn't get it when he said that. But when they got it, when the Holy Spirit came and filled him, And so now Peter, who, who would put his foot in his mouth, and he would, he would say, we don't have silver and gold. I'll tell you what we've got. Give me your hand. Here's bold Peter bringing life to people. He's representing God. God has come. God is now present. That's what you have. What could be more than to carry the presence. If people are looking for God, you can, hey, you can quit looking. I'll bring him to you. Let's talk. You have the divine presence. And in your, your weakest moment, your weakest, your most frail time, you have divine power to offer to other people. If you don't even know what to say, you don't even, no question comes to mind. You, you can't think of what to do. Still, you, you have God to give them, and you carry him in your very being. It is so wonderful. You carry his presence with you. <clears throat> the end of chapter 14. All this I have spoken to you by while being with you. But the counselor, there it is again, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. There it is again, the Trinity in one verse. You've got it several times in this chapter. The Counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send in my name. What's he going to do? He's going to teach you. What's he going to teach you? All. And bring to your remembrance. Do you ever forget anything you read in the Bible? You ever forget something? You're talking to somebody, you forget? The Holy Spirit is your teacher who will teach you all things and give you recall. The Holy Spirit has good recall. That's a wonderful thing. Jesus is saying to them, had he been their teacher? He'd been teaching them for three years. They had wonderful teaching, they had wonderful sessions, both with five to 10,000, and personally. What a wonderful thing to have Jesus teaching you. But now he's leaving. It's going to be better when he's gone, because now you have the Holy Spirit teaching you day and night, giving you dreams that, that he will teach you through dreams giving you visions, giving you pictures, giving you words, giving you prophetic words, giving you gifts straight from heaven, developing fruit in you. There's a dangerous verse in the Bible. I think it's one of the most dangerous verses there is. Listen to it. It's from 1 John 2, 27. Listen to this verse. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. You don't need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things. Who's anointing? The Holy Spirit. And as his anointing is real, 
not counterfeit, just as it is taught you remain in him. When he says you don't need any teacher, he's not doing away with teachers because John himself was a teacher. But he is saying no one can replace the authoritative, the moment-by-moment, moment, the wonderful teaching that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And so we submit ourselves when we read the Scripture to the Holy Spirit. When we're talking to somebody, we, we discern what the Holy Spirit is teaching us. Is this of God? Is this you, God? Are you teaching me this? The Holy Spirit's within us, helping us to understand. And the more we we accept the life of the Spirit within us. The more we ask to be taught, it's not about IQ. It's about surrender to the Spirit within who is teaching us all things. How wonderful can you get? It's possible for people to develop a codependent relationship with their pastors because the pastors usually do most of the teaching and people do most of the listening. And so... They like him, and he likes to feel liked, and so he does it and feels pretty important. In fact, my job is to connect you with the Holy Spirit who can teach you for the rest of your life. It's not to let you know how much I know, but to say, okay, you've got a teacher, and that teacher can instruct you day and night, nonstop. I don't want to develop a codependent relationship with you. Really, I don't. It keeps going. He's not done teaching them about the Holy Spirit. Chapter 15. What does the Holy Spirit do? When the, verse 26, when the counselor comes, that's the third time, maybe the fourth, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Has there ever been even a moment, even a fraction of a second, any sense of jealousy in the Trinity? Here is the Holy Spirit silently wonderfully bearing witness to Jesus. They're, all of these are great. This may be the greatest work of the Holy Spirit to bring you Jesus Christ. This is the mystery that was hid from ages and now revealed to his people, which is Christ in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Who, who, who makes that real? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit testifies to you of Christ in you. When Saul, Paul got a hold of this, it was everything. How many times does he use the phrase in Christ or Christ in you? It's, it's continual in one sentence sometimes, multiple times. He was so full of Christ that he would say, I have been crucified with Christ, yet I live, well, not really, but Christ lives in me. 
And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. See how much he, he's, he's so Christ-centered. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes me Christ-centered. No jealousy. The Holy Spirit just continually brings me Christ. And he says in Colossians, when Christ, who is what? Christ is your life. That's who you are. You are Christ. Christ in me. Christ around me. Christ over me. Christ instead of me. I told you once before about Martin Luther. A guy knocked at his door and said, is Martin here? And he said, no, he died. Christ lives here now. He took it seriously, that seriously. He is gone. He's dead. Henceforth, we know no man after the flesh, though we th th knew them after the flesh before. Not, not, not anymore. It's all changed. Now it's all about Christ, and the Holy Spirit just exalts this one. Hallelujah, indeed. It's so wonderful. So in chapter 16, two things, and then we'll pray together. But I tell you the truth, chapter 7. He had to say that. But I tell you the truth. They, they Are you sure? It is for your good that I'm going away. Yes. Thank you. That's where I am too, Karen. I'm in verse 7. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, what will he do? What's he going to do? When he comes, he will convict the world in regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment. The reason that I gain much comfort in that is that when I talk to people, I don't have to convict them. I, I'm free just to tell them what I believe is to be true and let the Holy Spirit do the Holy Spirit's work. The Holy Spirit is really good at convicting. Holy Spirit can, can cause the words to be winged into their heart. And so I don't have to pressurize them. I don't have to uh, manipulate them in any way. I just speak and let the Holy Spirit do the Holy Spirit's work. That's really comforting to me. There are times when I have preached when I wanted to convict. Wrong. I don't need to. I can simply bring truth. And the Holy Spirit will convict of sin that there is a moral truth. In a day of moral relativism, you kids will, you hear it in school, that there are no absolutes, they're just relatives, and what's right is right to you, what's wrong is what's wrong to you. No. God says what's right, that's what's wrong. In regard to sin and righteousness, and the difference between God's righteousness, absolute purity, and sin, there's going to be a judgment. Sin, Sin, righteousness, and judgment. And the Holy Spirit is able to do that. So I can relax and bear witness to Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then one more thing that the Holy Spirit does. Jesus is just speaking to them. Verse 12, I have much more to say to you, but he said an awful lot already. More than you can bear now, but when he, the Spirit of truth, at six times, he says, I don't know. He will guide you 
into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. I've told you before, you have every right not to be anxious about the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you on Monday night how I was anxious and how stupid it was. But anxiety betrays your confidence in God. Anxiety says that you are, you are playing God. Anxiety says you better worry about this because God is not taking care of it. How is he going to guide me? I wish we had the Old Testament now where he would guide clearly with, with a pillar of fire and with a cloud. Boy, they sure had it good in those days. Not even close. That's the Old Covenant. Now we've got the Holy Spirit living within us, guiding us into all that's the GPS that we need. The Holy Spirit is able to do it. And your trust in him will make it happen. Your anxiety will cause you perhaps to make wrong decisions. How wonderful. He, he shows his love to you today. One of, your, one of your favorite verses. He pours his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. It's very personal. He, he, wants to, he wants to show you today his love by pouring his, uh, pouring his love through the Holy Spirit into your heart. Let's pray together and, and just yield afresh wherever you are, wherever you are in your relationship to God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How about taking a step further? How about, how about walking deeper? into the life of the Spirit with deeper confidence, with just more abandonment, more, more freedom, so that the Holy Spirit can do, yes, supernatural things in you. Maybe you're saying, well, I never had a dream that's prophetic. You ask for one. I've never had a prophetic word. Ask for one. Eagerly desire it, sir. Ask for it. Ask. What, what, what are you lacking? What are you needing? You, you need more truth? You need more, more guidance? Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are, you move in our midst. Even when we don't know what you are guiding. convincing us, convicting us, encouraging us, helping us, comforting us, providing for us. We yield afresh. And even, Lord, when we might have made a wrong decision, as Paul was just alluding to, that it would be our hearts that would condemn us and say, you blew it, that's it. But you come and woo us through your Holy Spirit. That's right. And you bring us back. You give us another chance. <laughs> you are not the one that condemns us. That's right. You're the enemy. So thank you, Father. 
we could say no to the enemy's lies, and yes to your grace and your mercy and your love. Yes. Holy yes. Spirit. Yes. 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 So, just say yes now to His love, as it comes to you. Yes, as He's stirring it up in your heart. Say yes to it. Say. Say yes to what he's going to do to you in the days ahead. That's, that's going to give you an uh, upgrade uh, in your confidence in him. He's going to give you opportunities to bear witness to him in ways that fit who you are. Say yes. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Now be poured out abundantly. Be poured out afresh into our hearts. Just receive. It's just it, He's allowing it to come right across this room. Say yes, say yes. Truly, we are expecting to see your manifold presence. O King Jesus, come. Come among us. I close with this benediction and I'm going to invite you to, to uh, pray together. The end of second Paul's second letter, the one we've got, he wrote others and they had written others. He closes with this benediction. He says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. What a wonderful blessing. Grace is what we need to do what God calls us to do. Grace is God's empowering presence. The love of God the Father, love is what heals us, love is what motivates us, love is what uh, uh, charges us, empowers us. It's his love that does it. It's his love that compels us. It's, it's not duty, it's love. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father, what Bob talked about last week, this, this astounding love that comes to us in our failure, comes to us in our need. And the fellowship, that word is koinonia. Everything that we do in the Christian life, prayer, worship, service, connecting with people, everything is in partnership, in koinonia with the Holy Spirit, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the koinonia of the Holy Spirit.